Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's time for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. And good afternoon. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Rob Carson once again. It's so great to be with you. Um, hopefully Rob will be back with us tomorrow. Uh, we have, there's just so much to go through today. I've, I've just found so much great stuff to talk about. And also, uh, just a note, later in the show, Tom Fitton, the president of Judicial Watch, will be joining us to talk about some information that his organization received by filing FOIA requests, and it has to do with Ghislaine Maxwell and the Epstein, the whole, that whole debacle or trial that's going on right now. So it's very timely. Judicial Watch is so involved with, uh, you know, fighting for, for transparency and sunlight when it comes to so many of these government organizations and they fight the good fight and it takes them years sometimes to, to get the information. So we'll talk to him hopefully about that as well. Let's start out, though, with um, Joe Biden. He went to Minnesota yesterday for an infrastructure push you know, to sell the infrastructure because it's going to save our, our country. And, and that's super important. Uh, so yesterday during the White House presser with Circle Bakisaki, I uh, can't take credit for that. that. That's somebody else came up with that. Um, I stole it. <laughs> One of my old co-hosts came up with that. Um, but Peter Ducey who is just the thorn in the side of, of the Biden administration, but I think they kind of like jousting with him. So Peter asked Jen Psaki, well, if he's going to Minnesota, why can't he just go to Wisconsin? It's kind of right there and visit the people who the families of victims of the massacre that happened in Waukesha, that domestic terror attack. And Here's Jen Psaki spinning and spinning and spinning. This is a cut five there, Vern. Since the president said that this administration is monitoring the situation in Waukesha closely, it has been revealed by prosecutors that the assailant, the assailant swerved his truck side to side as part of an intentional act to run over as many people as possible. Six people are dead. Some children remain hospitalized. Why hasn't the president visited the members of this Christmas parade attack? Well, I would say first, um, as you saw the president day last week. Our hearts go out to this community, to the people in Waukesha, that we've been in touch obviously with officials there, and we're all watching as people are recovering, and this is such a difficult time of year for, for this to happen. It's a difficult any time. Uh, obviously, any president going to visit a community requires a lot of assets, requires taking their resources, and uh, it's not something that I have a, a trip previewed at this plan, point in time, but we remain in touch with local officials, and certainly our, our hearts are with the community as they've gone through such a difficult time. Did, did you hear what she said there? Well, you know, it's a logistic nightmare. They shipped over, when he when uh, Joe Biden was at the climate summit overseas, I guess in France, wherever he was uh, in Europe, it's, they had a huge motorcade, a huge motorcade, all gas-guzzling SUVs. We had no problem with that. But did you hear what she said? She said, well, it's a difficult time of year. What, he might miss a Christmas party? Is that the problem? They're serving ice cream for dinner tonight at the White House. So, you know, Joe's, Joe's told he'll be rewarded if he doesn't screw up with, with some ice cream. 
Now, you can disagree with me, but I think that if this had been had happened at the hands of a Trump supporter and the left could somehow capitalize on this message, you know, it was a white driver who mowed down uh, a bunch of people of color in a parade. We'd be talking Mika Brzezinski would be fainting on set every single day from the horror of it all and tut tutting. And he was a Trump supporter. So once again, it's Donald Trump's fault. This is Donald Trump's fault. But because it doesn't fit their narrative. Oh, Joe Biden, you know, it's a difficult time of year. It wasn't too difficult to go over and sell your infrastructure plan. It wasn't too difficult for that. It wasn't too, it's a time and it wasn't, and, and you had all, all of the, um, I guess all the cars and the security and everything in place to do that. Why do I think you could go to Waukesha? I'm pretty sure he could. It's a difficult time of year, Jen Psaki. And the press just sits there and goes, shakes their heads like cattle going, oh, yeah, it's a difficult time of year. I get it. we got a lot of parties to do. A lot of parties to go to. Unmasked, of course. I have always said that I, I think when you walk in to vote, not only should you have to present an ID, you should be able to name the candidates that are running. Just the Democrat and the Republican. Just, just the top two. We're not asking for much. And if it's a presidential election, name the two candidates that are running and the two people running for vice president. I, I don't think that that's a big haul. But we can't do that. That's a poll tax. Oh, you, you're racist. Which, to me, that argument that it's racist is the most racist argument you can make, which the left is crazy racist. There, It's the racism of low expectations. Well, black people aren't smart enough to know who the, who the two candidates are that are running. They just vote Democrat. And if they don't vote Democrat, they ain't black. The left is so racist. So they would never allow that to happen. In town here, where every, I live in a very small town. Everybody knows everybody. There was another Mary Walter in town, so it was funny. But she was far older than I, and she has since passed away. Um, but I watched a woman very, very elderly, very frail, and her daughter or caretaker, you know, helped her into the, you know, helped, showed her where to sign in the book because she couldn't do it. She had no idea what she was doing. She was just, just kind of like Joe Biden. She was just following directions. And it took forever. And the woman takes her into the voting booth and you could hear her instructing her how to vote. She's like, okay, press here and press here. That woman, that old, that older woman, she didn't vote. She had no clue what she was doing. That younger woman, whether it was her caretaker or her daughter or whomever, a family member, got two votes. Because I don't buy for a hot second that that older woman had a clue what she was doing. And what are we hearing now? All of these ballots that are coming out of nursing homes where the Democrat harvesters went in and just pre-filled out ballots for these people and just had them, you know, said, oh, here, sign here. Totally illegal. But until Republicans either get in the game and do the same thing or somehow make vote um, harvesting in these states, the ballot harvesting in these states illegal, it's never going to stop. And Republicans aren't going to win. They are constantly going to be behind the eight ball because the Democrats are cheating. They get caught afterwards, but by then the deed is done. So they don't care. No one's ever held accountable. If someone is held accountable, it's some poor volunteer who schlepped in to count ballots or just sit there and get people's name in the book. It's never anybody big. It's never the people who engineer this stuff. No. Uh, so I think there should be some kind of test. Just ask people, and you can leave if you can't name the two people who are running in a in a general you know election. If you can't name them, 
You can go out, you can get on your phone, you can look it up, and come back in and try again. That's okay. (laughs) I want to talk about what's happening at the Supreme Court, shall we? And this is uh, the abortion fight is going on, and this is a case that comes out of Mississippi. And the Mississippi case, um, so so Roe decided, uh, the the Roe decision ruled that states could not ban abortions before the, quote, viability of a fetus at around 24 weeks. But the argument is now being made, now that we have better science and we have ultrasounds and all these other things, that you can see that a, a fetus has a heartbeat and can move its fingers and blinks and they can tell whether a baby's going to be right-handed or left-handed ahead of time based on, you know, the thumb sucking and all this other stuff at far earlier. And so I, I would just want to talk about that. And I want you to hear what Steve Danes had to say about this. Um, this is cut one. And, and, and he is obviously pro-life. He's part of the pro-life caucus. But here's what he says about science and ignoring science. The Supreme Court has a chance to right a historic injustice, and that's the Roe versus Wade decision from 1973, 48 years ago. If you go Google, take the, your smartphone out, Google 15-week baby, 15-week baby, and look at the images that come up. You'll see that these 15-week-old babies, they, they are amazing, beautiful little babies. This Mississippi case says you can't have a late-term abortion. It protects life 15 weeks and beyond. The laws must catch up with the science. Our laws are antiquated. They're 48 years old. Technology shows that these little babies are fully formed at 15 weeks. And we've got to return the power back to the state. So what will happen here, if the Supreme Court, which will hear the arguments tomorrow, overturns Roe v. Wade, it returns the power back to the states. 80% of the American people oppose abortion after three months. The United States is a global outlier when it comes to abortion. Just one just just we are one of seven nations, including China, and North Korea, that allow late term abortions. Think about that. The U.S. is in the same category as China and North Korea. Is Steve Danes right that the law needs to catch up to the science? I look at some of these pictures of these from ultrasounds of these babies. They're children. They have a beating heart. They again, they're sucking their thumbs They're They blink, you know, there's there's all these things going on. Uh, They're fully formed. They have little fingers and toes at 15 weeks. I I think that since the law is is so old, decades old, that we should readdress this and we should catch up with the science on the other side of this, though. I, I think when it comes to incest and rape, more so incest, this is for me personally, I think sometimes when a woman is involved in an incest, you know, incident and she becomes pregnant, a lot of times she doesn't, depending on her age, depending on her, her situation, she doesn't want to tell anyone. And I get that. And I think we need to consider that. So it may take her past 15 weeks. I don't think it's fair to expect an 11 year old girl who um, has been the victim of, of, you know, her uncle and is now pregnant by her uncle to have to necessarily be forced to have a baby because she waited more than 15 weeks. So, but the other side of me sees those ultrasounds. I'm like, oh man, but it's a baby, right? And we teach sex ed in school. These kids have more education than we ever had about it, right? And see, I think it's paying off in the sense that um, pregnancy numbers have gone down. Teen pregnancies have gone down. But for an adult, 
adult woman, if you don't know you're pregnant by week 15, that's on you. Go to go to Planned Parenthood and take a test. It's free at Planned Parenthood. Just go to Planned Parenthood and take a test. If you're not sure. Science has to catch up or the law has to catch up with science. There's a piece in the Federalist that talks about children that are now, you know, eight years old, one year old, who managed, were born early and survived. One was born at 21 weeks and one day. He uh, was 11.9 ounces. Uh, That was 21 weeks and two days. That was a previous record holder. This one was 21 weeks and one day. But do you know, in England, I have very good friends who who are British. They live in England. She had twins. She was pregnant with twins. She lost them. They they were born early. But if they don't survive to a certain day, like 24 weeks, if you're shy by even a day, those kids do not go into a neonatal unit. They're put in another unit, and they're just allowed to die. They don't get into the extraordinary measures. Why? Because it costs a lot of money. I would say probably you're going to get up to, to you know $500,000, if not more, to to make these children uh, viable and to bring them you know in, in into life and allow them to grow up and save their lives. It's going to cost a lot of money. When you have socialized medicine, you're not getting that. They're not spending because they look at that and they say, well, b- based on when this child was born, they're probably not going to be viable. So we're not going to spend the money on trying to save this child. And I think people are like, and the left will be fine with that. That's great. Just put them in a dying room, put them over there, and nobody feed them, or, or, and they just die a horrible death. That's fine. Because these babies can feel at 15 weeks. So what are we doing here? And the left has already promised, you know, riot, what they do best, riots and, and you know, destruction and everything else if they don't get their way because they're a bunch of children. Our dollar is going down. Your dollar is buying less. One thing that you can always depend on is precious metals, silver and gold. And if you are considering investing in those, American Hartford Gold is the company that I would suggest. They sell physical silver and gold delivered right to your door or inside of your IRA. They make it easy, by the way. Highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. Call them right now. They'll give you up to $1,500 worth of free silver on the first order. Yeah. Here is the number, 866-204-8226, 866-204-8226, or text ROB, R-O-B, my name, to 65532. Remember that, ROB, to 65532 for American Hartford Gold, 65532. All right, let, let's go to New York. I told you, uh, Mayor de Blasio, he only has four weeks left in office. And he has now launched the country's first legal drug shooting galleries. He did it yesterday morning. He's calling them safe havens for addicts. The overdose prevention center, he said the overdose prevention centers are a safe and effective way to address the opioid crisis. I'm proud to show cities in this country that after decades of failure, a smarter approach is possible. Now, they, they estimate that these um, sites could save up to 130 people a year. Now, I just want to know how they're being funded because I have a friend who's diabetic and she didn't get her needles for free. There's no place for her to, you know, shoot up for free, bring her own insulin and get a free needle and, you know, have a nice area that she's, she's, you know, supervised and all this other stuff. Why, why is that not happening? But here's a bigger question as I was reading this and I'll tell you more about it because there's something really funny. Well, it's not funny. It's tragic, but it's ironic. 
what's the end game for Democrats? How does destroying our cities benefit them? How does that happen? Is it are, are they trying to force everyone out of these cities because they know that their power centers are the cities trying to force everyone into the suburbs to turn them blue? Is is that what's happening here? Is, is that is this about votes for them? I, I don't understand it. What do you think the end game is for Democrats with all this stuff, with the lawlessness, with we just legalize everything. Let's just legalize everything. Everybody can vote. You can walk across the border. Laws only apply to the little people and the people who do things legally. Everybody else, it is just a free-for-all. Mow down a bunch of kids in a Christmas parade, and we won't even mention it. We won't even put your name out there. We got your back. What is happening? I don't understand. So, all right. So this this first clip, this is clip number, cut number two. This is uh, one of the directors of the programs at the New York Harm Redemption, at New York Harm Reduction educators listen to what he has to say here about this program today has been an amazing day it's been a historic day it's been a day of love and supporting some of the most beautiful people in this world who have not been treated that way we're humanizing an approach we're following what our our people have done throughout this world Uh, like them we will do everything possible to make sure our folks stay alive. Uh, it's Again, it's been an amazing day. People have been here. People have showed respect to what we're doing. We want to maintain that. It's work that comes from the soul and the heart. So our goal is when someone shows up, they have access to many, many options they wouldn't have in the street. And and then can get connected to care and other uh, services that, uh, that are life-changing. I had a family member die of addiction. Uh, they they did everything they could. They got him clean. They moved him to another state. And an addict's an addict. There are some people that just can't shake it. But I'm a big fan of going back to the first domino that tipped that. You chose to try an illegal substance. You made that choice. I just want to know who's paying for this. And, and um, you know, why don't we give clean needles to other people who have legitimate drugs that they need to inject, but we make them pay for them? It's interesting because these are nonprofit run centers. So the odds of your tax dollars going into this are probably slim. There's one in Harlem and um, these are in upper New York, 180th Street in Washington Heights. So they're not in the best neighborhoods, I would assume. So the people in those neighborhoods don't want this. But too bad, you're going to get it. Who are the people in these neighborhoods? Probably most likely minorities. But Democrats don't care. They don't care. We're putting it in your neighborhood. They're really looking out for you. But here's the thing. At the East Harlem site, yesterday, the first day it was opened, there were five overdose deaths or overdoses. We don't know if anybody died. They had 85 users inject drugs uh, that were uh, laced with fentanyl, including heroin, yesterday. And five people had to be taken out in ambulances. Tell me about how this is, is safe. The irony just seems to escape everyone here. Really? So, and I guess the thought is, well, at least if they overdose, they're going to do it in a safe environment. We can get them to the hospital. Here is one of the users who uh, who has benefited from one of these centers. This is cut three, Vern. What I think about this program is that it's helped me a lot. It's um, it's given me hope. You know, this program is is it's a good thing that they open and you need to open more centers like this in the city because we got a lot of people, you know, that are gay, that get high, you know. They don't know about this place, and these places here help a lot. They really do. 
They help with shelter, they help with everything. Everything, you name it, it helps, they help a lot, you know? How does it help you? Ooh, in a lot of ways, like, it helps you not catch other, other it helps you not catch diseases, like Hep C or HIV, you know? It's always, they always put, um, give you needles, you know? There's always needles here, you know what I mean? And, and that's one of the things that, you know, that's really concerning, you know? And that, that's just giving back to the, to the environment. It's giving back. I get that addiction is a horrible, horrible disease, whatever you want to call it. I think there are some people who are far more prone to addiction, have addictive personalities than other. As I said, I had a family member die pretty young uh, of an addiction. But, you know, they do have to bring their own drugs. So it's BYOD. You know, and I wonder if they have to wear masks when they go in, because if you want to BYOB in a restaurant in New York, you have to wear a mask and you have to show your papers to prove that you're vaccinated. So I don't know if the same standard applies here, but I don't understand the Democrats push to legalize and normalize things that we all know is wrong. And and just my question about what the heck are Democrats doing to our cities? The nefarious side of me says they're trying to drive everybody out of the cities, crash the cities and get them to move to the suburbs where they're all going to vote blue and destroy the suburbs so they're trying to move that voter base out and you know new york now allowing you know that that uh, motion to allow illegals people are in the country illegally to vote yeah no proof you don't you don't have to be here because you know our laws affect their lives too while they're living here illegally we wouldn't want them to be inconvenienced it's maddening CNN uh, finally announced that they are suspending Chris Cuomo. You probably heard about this. It broke last night. Uh, They're evaluating his conduct because the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, uh, uh, they have an investigation into his brother, Andrew Cuomo. You know, he's been ousted and they have a new um, mayor, Kathy Hochul uh, in New York, uh, in uh, New York State. Now she's the new governor. And uh, it's I don't think it's. Any coincidence that Letitia James has announced that she's running as well. So she has high aspirations, and that's why she was leading the investigation into Trump and the Trump organization that was headquartered in the Southern District of New York. So that's why I think you saw her going after Trump so much. She wanted to raise her profile, right? She wanted to get her name out there. Quote, the New York Attorney General's office released transcripts and exhibits Monday that shed new light on Chris Cuomo's involvement in his brother's defense, according to the statement that CNN put out last night. The documents, which which we were not privy to before their public release, raises serious questions. When Chris admitted to us he had offered advice to his brother's staff, he broke our rules, and we acknowledged that publicly. But we also appreciated the unique position he was in and understood his need to put family first and job second. And I kind of get why he did it. I get it. It's his brother. And he was just saying, well, I'm going to jump on the hand grenade here. If I don't get caught, great. If I do... I'm pretty sure that the Cuomos are set financially. I don't think he's going to you know, really worry about where the next his next meal is coming from. They continued, however, these documents point to a greater level of involvement in his brother's efforts than we previously knew. As a result, we have suspended Chris indefinitely pending further investigation. Here's the rub. They don't say whether he is being suspended with pay or without pay. My hunch, if he has a good agent, is he's getting suspended with pay. That that's that's my that is my my hunch in all of this. 
uh, the newly released documents on Monday like really put the fire under CNN to do something. And they, they sent out a statement yesterday saying that, um, you know, they're, they're looking into this. We're going to discuss this. And then last night, this comes out, this this suspension. Now, transcripts from his interview with investigators that Letitia James just happened to put out there uh, show him admitting that he would reach out to media sources to find out about new accusers who had not come forward publicly yet, new accusers against his brother of um, inappropriate sexual advances, touching, etc. When asked, I would reach out to sources, other journalists, to see if they had heard of anybody else coming out, he told investigators. But that contradicts what he told viewers in August when he said, I have never made calls to the press about my brother's situation. But here's the deal. I kind of get what he's doing, and I don't know if it's... I think there's a moral, like, like a fuzzy line there. If you're being an investigative journalist, okay... But CNN wouldn't know what an investigative journalist was, so this is why there's there's this confusion at CNS, because they have no clue what an investigative journalist is. Either word, investigative or journalist, they scratch their heads. Uh, three days after the New York Times broke the story about a woman named Anna Ruck, she alleged that the governor sexually harassed her at a wedding reception in 2019. Um his Chris Cuomo, three days later, texted Melissa DeRosso, who was a top aide to his brother, and said, I have a lead on the wedding girl. In another exchange, uh, his brother's aide texted Chris, rumor going around from Politico, one to two more people coming out tomorrow. Can you check your source? And he said, I'm on it. No one. Ha-, and then got back to her, said, no one has heard that yet. He also did a little snooping into Ronan Farrow and his reporting about his brother. Andrew Cuomo. And then he relayed that to his brother's in inner circle. Now, he admitted to contacting colleagues of Farrow for updates, but claimed it was simply business as usual to employ such methods. And I have to tell you, I think it probably is business as usual. I really do. I just think that he should have not seen and in general probably should not have covered the story, period. Or if they did, they should have covered it as news and not opinion. But CNN is incapable of doing that. They're just incapable. They, they, they can't. It's like asking Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to balance her checkbook. You're, it's just not going to happen. It'll be fun to watch, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> right? So um, text messages released by the state investigators showed DeRosa, his brother's um, colleague, his brother's assistant, asking about, in quote, intel the CNN anchor had about Farrow's report on March 15th, to which he replied it wasn't ready for publication. Farrow's story was eventually published on March 18th. There's also uh, some texts with Democratic strategist and um, someone very close to the family, Liz Smith. It appears that uh, she was had a group text going with top Cuomo aides. And in that group text, she said she had been in contact with Edward Isaac DeVore, who was an Atlantic staff writer at the time in February of this year. She told Team Cuomo he is very hard on our side on this. And a senior Cuomo advisor asked, what's he saying? And she said, total mind meld. I'm on the phone with him. And a couple minutes later, she texted back and said, he could be convinced to write something on Andrew because he thinks this whole thing is bull. And then she told Cuomo's office, just told, let me chat with him. He's calling me again on Friday. Guess what? DeVore has since joined CNN just a couple months ago as a senior reporter. This is the problem with the left. And maybe this is just the problem with politics in general, period. 
there's so much nepotism going on, and I think they do it to protect their butts. And this way, it allows them to get away with a lot more. Look at the Biden family. Now, if we had journalists and not propagandists in this country, Joe Biden would would be long gone by now. He never would have made it to the Oval Office because of what his son, Hunter, had been doing and still continues to do. But Joe Biden knows that the press is going to cover for him. The propagandists will cover for him and not report any of this. And he doesn't care because Hunter Biden is making millions hand over fist. So when this is all over, if we find wrongdoing, they ain't giving the money back. The money's going to disappear. That money's going to be long gone and they know it. And this is, I think, what bit CNN in the butt is that, you know, they had there was too much closeness and there's too much of a group think going on there. And look, they hire this guy who writes this, you know, piece about Andrew Cuomo, who was in on the whole thing and and, you know, coordinated it allegedly. But that's what the texts show with uh, someone very close to the Cuomo camp. And, you know, who's not in on any of this? You and me. We're not in on any of this. They look down at us as useful idiots. They really, truly do. They really, really, truly do. Speaking of idiots, I got a story coming up about Pelosi later. Um, (laughs) All right. Joining us now, the president of Judicial Watch, Tom Fitton. Tom, thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, You're welcome, Mary. Good to be with you again. Yeah, you. It's great to talk to you. So um, Judicial Watch, if you don't, people don't know who you are. You guys do a lot of work. You, you, You get people donate to Judicial Watch and you do a lot of things like asking for an endless stream of FOIA requests. You file endless streams of FOIA requests. And you announced yesterday that you actually got four pages of records from the Secret Service about the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. What is happening? What did you receive? Well, they show that there was a trip with her uh, that included Bill Clinton, and the documents are Secret Service records that, you know, detail that she was on the plane with him that went to India back in 2003. And, you know, there had been a report that such a trip had taken place, but now we've got federal confirmation through these Secret Service records, and uh, this is one of the few times where we didn't have to sue to get the records that just gave them to us, but we did ask for them several months ago. So, okay, so he went to India with them. Big deal. We know that Donald Trump was on the Lolita Express as well. There are a lot of famous people who were on that plane. Does that necessarily implicate Bill Clinton in any way? Well, this was in Jeffrey Epstein's plane. This was, I think, according to reports, uh, another billionaire friend of uh, Clinton's plane. But it highlights the closeness of Maxwell to Clinton. And, you know, the question I have is, uh, what were they doing in India together? And was the Secret Service, uh, who was with Clinton for this trip, were they with him for any other trips involving Miss Maxwell or Mr. Epstein, and uh, what information do they have about the trips? Yeah, one of the things that these messages show is about the Secret Service actually being fed, because apparently Maxwell or this billionaire wasn't feeding the Secret Service who were on the this trip with uh, the former president, so, which I think would be basic. You would feed them if they're if they're you know putting their life on the line for you. But so here's yeah, the thing: was, I think that, that's that stood out. Other than that, other than the fact that you had uh, Clinton traveling with this uh, predator allegedly, uh, <laughs> they couldn't be bothered to feed the Secret Service who was on a plane for a day with him. Yeah. The other thing I took out of this is the Secret Service still uses a teletype machine. So they they do refer to teletype. <laughs> Maybe it's um, more secure. Who knows? 
Yeah, yeah, maybe. So, you know, I, I think you ask a great question. You know, how many of these other trips was the Secret Service on the plane for? Will we? I mean, I don't think we'll ever find that out. I haven't heard anything about any Secret Service agents being subpoenaed or planning to testify in this trial. Have you? I haven't. Or, you know, forget about the trial, just being questioned generally. You know, it was interesting. We did ask uh, separately and sued for documents about Secret Service records of uh, trips Clinton may have taken to the um, uh, Epstein's Island. And, you know, the records, as best I could understand, uh, reflect that he did travel to the island, but there were no Secret Service records. So I don't know whether the records disappeared or whether he didn't have Secret Service protection at the time, but it's curious. Speaking of disappearing... There were all these videotapes that were that they that were seized from inside uh, Epstein's townhome, his mansion that he had in New York. Every room had a camera, and they said there there were just thousands of hours of videotape. Uh, where are those tapes? Have you have you uh, sued to try to get any inf- in information from those tapes? Oh, I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, we have uh, wh- which tapes are you talking about now? Well, inside Jeffrey Epstein's home, oh, his, his oh, townhouse, right? Those. You know, that's the sort of stuff that would be part of an investigative file. And uh, typically, that would be very hard to access. But I guess, you know, in theory, we could ask for it. Uh, but that would probably be a significantly high bar for us to uh, jump over in order to get tapes of uh, individuals from someone's home. So my question is, why wouldn't that be shown, though, in this trial? And is it because, my next question, that it would implicate some very powerful men and who are not being charged at all? None of the men who were allegedly involved in this that we know of who may be on these tapes or are in the little black books and the records, none of them have been charged. Only Ghislaine Maxwell has been charged. Why? Well, you know, I don't know the answer to that, and there may be legitimate answers, meaning there's no evidence that uh, other men who have been named or there's not sufficient evidence that they can be charged. You know, but your question is based on the fact, I presume, Mary, dare I say it, that you don't trust the Justice Department, nor do I. And so, you know, that's the issue that we have with the compromised Justice Department, that when it comes to uh, crimes that have a political component, However tangential, and it's not really tangential in the case of Maxwell, uh, do we trust the Justice Department to do the right thing? I don't. doesn't mean there's something else that needs to be done, uh, but that's the conundrum we're in, that we can't trust the Justice Department to make prosecutorial decisions or trust them to even investigate these issues sufficiently because of the political nature of them. Yeah, absolutely. And you've taught me well. That's why I'm such a skeptic. Um, One more question uh, about this. What about uh, the suicide of Jeffrey Epstein? I don't know anyone who believes this was really a suicide because of all the weird coincidences. Oh, the tapes were erased. Oh, there were two, you know, rent-a-cops who were on duty that night when it happened. He just committed suicide. You're just going to believe us. Are we just believing that? Is, Is that story dead? Where are we? Well, uh... Remember, there was, an, uh, there was an autopsy done or an analysis done by Epstein's family that suggested that the death was a homicide, not a suicide. So I think it's still an open question. Uh, you know, there's evidence it was a suicide, but uh, I think it was Dr. Bob- Baden from, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, he's a well-known um, uh, uh, Forensic pathologist. medical examiner. Yeah. So. Well, I can't dismiss his his uh, concerns. 
And uh, I think there's strong evidence uh, that uh, he did, uh, he was killed, but because it's the Justice Department, again, this goes back to our earlier conversation, who do you trust over there uh, to tell the truth about things like this? So it's still in my book uh, open uh, in terms of what happened there. Yeah, this, is, this is like the Las Vegas shooting. That one, like that all just disappeared. So, you know, we've never got any answers on that one and no one seems to care. Um, okay, so while, while I have you, you are a, a, just, just a fountain of information of everything concerning Mueller and a federal appeals court yesterday directed the DOJ to disclose some redacted passages from Robert Mueller's, Mueller's Russia investigation report. This comes from a, a, a public records complaint from BuzzFeed. Why would BuzzFeed want some of this redacted? Oh, because they think there's more dirt on Trump in that report to be had. And, you know, good for them for asking the question. But, you know, I'm in favor of transparency, but I know political decisions when I see it. And, you know, this is a court that wouldn't give us time of day on certain key issues, but they're happy to overrule the Justice Department on releasing documents like this. So, uh, you know, it just to me, it's just more evidence of politicization of the courts. Uh, but on the other hand, we have a little bit more transparency about what Mueller was up to. Right. And I'm, I'm with you. They should just release the whole thing. Although I will say, if there are people who were not charged, who are involved in this, they may not want that to be public, that they were involved in some way. And I kind of get that. Like, I kind of understand that to a certain extent. So I kind of understand why uh, part of it is redacted. But I don't think that's the reason some of this stuff has been redacted. Yes, and, and, and uh, to segue into another topic or related topic on that, it's a reminder there's still a lot of other documents about the targeting of Trump that are still being withheld from the American people, and we're in court on some of that now. Uh, but we still don't know everything there is to know about Russiagate, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and I wonder if any of that will come out with the Carter Page lawsuit. Or maybe Durham will issue some type of a report or more yeah. indictments. The indictments have been illustrative as well. Really, Durham, I, I feel like I did when I was in fifth grade waiting to be picked for the volleyball team, waiting for Durham to show up and do something. You know, it's just never happening. So <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of faith in John, Don Dur- John Durham. Uh, maybe you have more faith than I in all of that. I know you were pressed for time, so I'm going to say thank you very much. I appreciate you joining us, and I hope I get to talk to you again. Mary, thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details.